Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. So we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 16 this morning. We read this a couple of weeks ago. We've been trying to understand what is church. And um, I, I've, the subtitle for this morning's message is Raising the Bar. How many of you would agree with me that in Christianity today, the bar is kind of low? Right? If you go to church some and you went to the altar once and put a little money in the offering, you've got to be going to heaven. The bar is a little bit low, right? And I really think that we, we as, a, uh, as a church and as a people need to understand what it means to be a Christian. So, so I think the Bible will help us out on that. Now, just as a real quick reminder, many of you weren't here. Uh, we, we preached the, uh, the first uh, message about ecclesia. The Bible says the church is about us coming together. Now, this is really deep and profound, but how many of you know if you don't come together, you're not part of the church, right? It's staying home is not a part of church. It's, it's coming together. That, that is what the Bible teaches. And last uh, time we preached about um, that, that in this ecclesia, in this gathering of people, there will be some who will rise up to teach us what the Word of God says. And, and a lot of that maybe didn't make any sense or you thought we already know that or whatever, but that was a foundation that needed to be laid for this message and, and maybe the next few to come. So let's read a uh, very familiar scripture, uh, but let's see if we can dig in a little bit deep uh, and, and see if we can understand what the Bible says. So um, um, Matthew 16 and verse 16, it says, <clears throat> And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Can I get an amen? amen. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, bar Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." We're going to stop reading right there. Can we agree this morning <laughs> that this means something? <laughs> Can we agree this means something? All right. It has to mean something. I've heard this quote since I was a little kid. I've, 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 it's a very, very familiar text, but it means something. And if we dig in a little bit deeper, um, I, I hope it will begin to open our eyes on what church is. What, what is church? And so let's just let's just look at this a uh, little bit by little bit uh, and, and see if we can pick it apart. Um, first, Jesus asks Simon Peter, um, uh, they first ask, who does everybody else say? And then he says, who do you say that I am? And he declares that he is the son of God. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because he says, uh, um, you're the Messiah. You're the one who has come to save us. You're the Savior of the world. You're the Son of God. But then Jesus says an interesting thing. He said, Simon, you didn't figure that out on your own. You'd have never got that 
if the Holy Spirit wouldn't have revealed it to you. Right. So, Simon, you're getting this you're getting this understanding from the Holy Spirit. And so he said, my father revealed it unto you uh, to to understand it. And then Jesus said, um, Peter, he said, I upon this rock. Now, what is this rock? What is this rock that he's going to build his church upon? And I've always preached that, that, that this rock is the confession that thou art to Christ, the Son of the living God. But, but I think, I think it, would, it would not be inaccurate to just say that this rock is the gospel. Don't we build the church on the gospel? Isn't that what it's built upon? Jesus, thou art to Christ, and we are sinners, and without you we have no hope, and you are our only hope. We build our church on that. Amen? You guys with me? We, we, we build our church on that. And then it says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I've heard that preached in so many ways. In biblical times, you know, they would build the walled cities and they would set up the government in the gates. And in different times it refers to going to the gates and, and that's, where the, that's where the authority was. That's where the, the government was. Could Jesus be saying the authority of the devil won't overpower my church? Does anybody believe that? Listen, I've been in a battle this week and, 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 and I know the devil battles all of us, but I want you guys to understand we are not on the losing side. Listen, we are on the winning side and everything the devil can throw at this church and everything the devil can throw at you will not prevail over this rock, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, so that, that is a pretty strong statement. And then he says some complicated things. He said, I will give unto thee, unto the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That has to mean something, people. That, that has to mean something. I will give unto the church the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, if we're going to build this church on the gospel, then it makes sense that the gospel is the key to the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that, that, that's not real difficult. And the understanding that, um, I'm not saying you have to be, to come to church to receive Jesus. I'm not at all preaching that because I don't believe that. But it does make sense that this is a good place to find the gospel in Jesus Christ, right? That, that, that's a good place to come, right? You can be saved at home in your bedroom. You can be saved by the side of the road. You can be saved in many places, but it's a real good place to come to find the gospel when you come to the church, right? So all of that is really not too difficult, but then it says, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I'm going to sit down and let Josh come explain that. Right? That's, that's not so easy. And, but then it says, And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth 
shall be loosed in heaven. So what is it that the church does that binds things here that has a consequence there? Is that, what it, is that what it's saying? Is that, does that make sense? I, there, we bind it here, it has a consequence there. We loose it here, it has a consequence there. And I think this is far deeper than we maybe have thought about it before. But as I read the New Testament, um, I, just, I, just, I just see some things that, that we don't see in church anymore today and that we don't see at Sand Hill anymore today. So let's, so let's just dive in. If you kind of hold all that that we just said, hold that in your head, and, and let's just look at this. Um, so what I'm about to teach this morning uh, is going to change a lot of things. Our, our, our constitution, our way that we do church, everything that we do, a lot of things are going to change what I'm about to preach if we were to adapt it. And, and, I, and I thought the, the, the easiest thing for me is, is if all of you will rise up against me and say, Pastor, we're not going to do that. Because if we do this, it's going to be hard on me. Okay? But if we do that, we may be going against the Word of God. So, so let's understand, is this the Bible or is this not? And how many of you know that if you don't agree with the pastor, you should go home and see what the Bible says, right? So when you don't agree with me, you got to go home and see see what the Bible says. <clears throat> so there's an interesting thing at the Sand Hill Church. I don't think we're really that unique in, in this manner, and, and I would just say this is probably primarily because of me what I'm about to say. But I think if you do the math, I, I, I haven't counted every single head, but I think it's fair to say there are real close to as many or more people who go to this church who are not members of this church than there are people who go to this church who are members of this church. Have you thought about that? We have got a lot of people here who are not members of this church. I'm going to make another statement. <clears throat> if you're a member, don't get mad at me. But I think some of the most committed, best people we have in this church are the ones that are not members. <laughs> now, I'm not saying the members are bad people. That's not what I said. But what I point is, those of you who are not members, some of you are very faithful. You're always here. You're always involved. You're always giving. You're always a part of This is your church, right? So, so let's dig into some of the reasons that, that your pastor has struggled so greatly on this subject. Just a little bit of history over church membership. If you know anything at all about the past, there was a time uh, in church history, when I was a kid, there was a time when church roles were huge. I heard a pastor uh, bragging about he had an enrollment of 80,000 people. Now, he had about 10,000 people going to his church, but he had an enrollment of 80,000 people. Do you know why that is? We put a whole bunch on there, and there's nothing required to stay on there. Once your name's on there, you just stay on there, right? And that's how a lot of churches did it for a lot of years in soul churches. And, and another thing is, they mentioned this at State this last weekend, but a lot of thing, another thing is when you have to send a report into your association, you want to have that number large. So you're only running 34, but you have 350 members. That sounds a whole lot better. Who wants to put we have 34 members, right? So it sounds good. So we don't, we don't, we don't, being a member means nothing other than that you put your name on a roll, then there were some people who decided, okay, we're, we're not going to be part of that crowd. We are going to have strict rules. If you want to be a member, you will do this and this and this and this and this and this. 
And if you don't do this, you will not be a member. But my problem has been for a long time, you do not force sanctification. You do not force sanctification. We have some good people in this church. We have some godly people in this church. We have some people that are getting close to God and becoming more like Jesus. It's not because I force them to. It's because we give them the Word of God and the Holy Spirit changed their life. Can you get an amen? amen. That, that it, it, you don't force people to. And I've had it told to me. I've literally had this told to me. If you would force them to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, maybe someday their heart would catch up. No, you have a bunch of Pharisees is what you'll have. You won't have genuine Christians. But if you can change their heart with the word of God, I believe their outward things will start catching up. And, and so, so, so there is a huge difference in that. So along with the no rules uh, to be a member and then the two stricter rules to be a member, along with that, and I remember this when I was a kid. We don't have this at Sand Hill anymore. Uh, but I remember this so very well. Members' rights. I join the church. I get to vote. I get to tell them what to do. I get to make motions. I will tell the pastor what he has to do. They better listen to me. I'll get my clan to all vote the same way, and we'll get what we want. Now, that's church. That isn't church here. We don't do that anymore, but, but that is church, right? And, I, and also, if I am a member, I get, to, I get this privilege and I get that privilege and they, they'll do more for me and I get to use things, I get to do things because I'm a member. So we're going to entice you to put your name on the roll by giving you things for yourself. Does anybody here see a problem with that? That's carnal. It's all about you. Let's leave Jesus out of the picture and let's just please you. So if you'll become a member, we'll give you more money and we'll give you access to our building and we'll give you all these things and you can vote and tell us what to do. If you'll be a part of us, we'll give everything to you. Does anybody see how that's not Bible? That's not Bible. We don't allure you by saying we're going to give you what you want. We're going to tell you that if you join us, you are nothing and you don't really matter. Right? Who wants to be a part of the church? Right? Listen, you, you aren't important. We are here because of Jesus. On this rock we build the church. On this church is what matters. We're not here to worry about what you want. We're here to all come together about what Jesus wants. And so we take out the privilege of being a, a member, and, and we understand that we become a member because it is, it is pleasing to the Lord. It is biblical. On top of all of these complications, I need to throw this in so you'll understand me. On top of all of these things, I've been trying to say this for a long time. But Darren, how many of you know that things have changed since 1980? I remember a day when anybody who walked through that door back there knew right and wrong clearly. That is not today today. I remember a day when anyone who would come through that door, any rule we would have said, they'd have said, oh, I completely understand that. Can I tell you we don't live in that world anymore? And 
Praise God. I've said this many times. I think a lot of you are probably confused when I said it, but praise God. We have a lot of people getting to be more people in this church who came from an unchurched background or a denomination that was not um, accurate. And they've come into this church and they don't understand everything the Bible says. And they don't understand everything they're supposed to do. But they come here because they're looking for Jesus. And they found Jesus. And that's what it's about. And here is the thing. We say biblically that as a church, we believe in progressive sanctification. Is that what we say? Do I need to explain that? That means you get saved, and over time, you keep becoming more like Jesus. I've been at this for a long time. If you follow me around for a little while, you find out I'm not like Jesus. I hope I'm more like Jesus than I was a year ago. I, I hope I'm more like Jesus than I was six months ago or even a few weeks ago. I hope I'm more like Jesus than I was when I first started out, but I am still not like Jesus. And I'm just as honest as I can. I've been trying really hard. And I go to church with some of the best people on the planet. But can I tell all of you, you got a little ways to go. Okay, you got a little ways to go. Okay. <laughs> We can all say amen to that. Listen, I'm not, we're all in this together. But my point is, I had Christian parents. I was raised in church my entire life. From the time I was sucking a bottle, I was taught the doctrine. I was doing all these things. And you have someone who comes in here, and they're 25, 30 years old, never been to church at all, don't have a Christian mom and dad, don't have a Christian grandma, never been raised in church at all in their life. And most of the time they're going to say, I don't understand what you guys are doing. And so progressively we teach them and they become more like Jesus. Instead of the first time they come through the door, we say, here's the rules, mark up, or find another place. And we don't do that, but, but that, that, is, that is what we don't want to do. Lastly, let me say this, and we'll get into the outline. I want you to understand why this is such a complicated subject, these things I'm giving you under membership history. It used to be, I can remember this so very clearly, some of you who have been here a long time can remember this, but how many of you remember there used to be a day if I would go to someone's house and I would say, we're going to take your name off the roll? Well, you might as well say it's a death sentence. I mean, they'd beg, plead, cry. I mean, it was huge. And some of the young ones like, why in a minute? It doesn't matter if they take my name off the book. I could care less. But it used to be if you took the name off the book, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have threatened them with death and scared them anymore. It was huge. And I mean, it would be a huge thing. We'd bring them for the church and it was just a gigantic, and then your name is removed and you're not a member. And I mean, it was, and can I tell you that in 2022, if I go to most of you and say, we're going to take my name off the book, you're going to say, oh, I don't care. I'll go to another church. I can really care less. Right? That's what my, there, there, it means nothing. If you take your name, if there's church discipline, take, oh, there's another church down the road. I mean, I don't really care. That's fine. And what I'm saying is, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Membership means nothing. And more than just meaning nothing, uh, uh, we, we've, we've kind of, well, let's just look at point number one, take us right where we need to go. So there is a new trend, and it started some time ago, 20, 30 years ago, but there is a new trend in Christianity. As a Christian, I will be faithful to the church but not a member. Listen, this isn't a Sandhill thing. This is a United States thing. 
If you go across the whole United States, people do not want to be members. They want to be Christians. Okay? That's where, that's where, that's where we're at. People want to be Christians. These people, they love Jesus. And I don't believe this is a false, phony thing. I believe these people really, really love Jesus. And I have heard, and this we're going to try and straighten some of this out, some of this tangle mess out. But I'm not bound by church rules. I have literally heard it said, and I'm sure thought by many, I want to be a Christian, but if I join the church, they can then give me rules to live by. And I'm not joining the church and them telling me what to do. Okay? That's a whole other message why that's a problem. But, but that is the mentality of a lot of people. Now, I love Jesus. I'll be faithful. I'll be there every service. I'll be a part of everything going on. It is my church. I love it. But if I'm not a member and they make me too mad, I'll just go somewhere else because there's no commitment here. Right? <laughs> Does that sound just a little bit like... I don't want to get married to her. I'll just live with her and get what I want until I get inconvenienced, and then I'll find somebody else. See, it's the mindset of today. And, and while I'm at it, let me just throw this here fun fact out. It's the same thing in the workplace. You know, in my generation, when you got a job out there, you stayed there until you quit working. You know what the millennials say? Two years, I'm out of here, man. I don't start a job. I plan on working two years, and I'm out of there. Those guys down at work, they get a job. They make huge money, and in no time at all, they say, oh, I'm going somewhere else. I'm thinking... What in the world is wrong with you? But there's no commitment in society, right? Everything is just jump where you want to jump. So it has come into the church. It's a cultural thing. So let's look at some deep things that I believe does not matter what Gary says. It matters what the Bible says. Amen? You guys with me? doesn't matter what Gary says. It matters what the Bible says. So he said, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let me just throw this out before I get in there. I don't know if this applies to anybody or maybe somebody watching this online and maybe this won't apply to anybody, but let me just make sure I don't confuse anybody. This is not Catholic doctrine. Okay. <laughs> what I'm about to tell you. Because the Catholic Church takes this verse and they literally say, because this is what their very own doctrine says. I didn't make it up. I got it from them. But their very own doctrine says they take this verse and they say the church has the authority. They can make you saved or they can make you not saved. And if you don't do what they say, then they will not let you go to heaven. But if you do what they say, they will let you go to heaven. And that's not what we're teaching. Okay, that is heresy. That is not what we're teaching. But I do believe the Bible has some things to say about the seriousness of being a church member. I've said this before. I believe it with all of my heart. But if you will study the New Testament, book of Acts, all through the epistles, you'll not find Christians who are not church members. Christians were part of of the local church that that's just it was just what everyone did and i believe there's a reason for that so let's turn to um first corinthians chapter 12 and let's look at a, a very scary scripture to be honest with you but what does it mean first corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 18 <clears throat> the, the long uh oh, this isn't a scary one. The scary one's next. This is this is the this is the easy one. So there's a, there's a whole context here. Of Paul is telling us that as Christians, we're part of the body. 
right? And it says some is the hand and some is the, you know, foot and there's the eye and there's the ear and there's all these different body parts that, that are all part of one body and they all work together. Uh, my hand works best with my foot. My eye works with my ear. We're, we're all working together. If that's not the case, there's something wrong, right? There's something medically wrong with you if your parts don't work together. But in verse 18, he says, <clears throat> but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So I'm going to set my hand over here on this bench, but I'm going to put my body over here. Does that make sense to anybody? Listen, when you're not part of the body, you're not part of the body. He doesn't place you. Oh, Jesus placed me at home in front of my TV. No, he didn't. Jesus placed you in the body. It says right in the text, in the body. So the, you are a Christian. You are, will be placed in a body. And when you're placed in that body, do you know what that means? Now, this is serious. Look at me. You know what that means? The Holy Spirit says, this is where I want you. I've had different people here. I've had different people here, and I've said this myself, so put me in that crowd. But I've had different people say, this is not where I want to go to church. But this is where God put me, and this is where I will be. Now, how many of you know what happens when you don't do what the Holy Spirit says? It's not good, people. It's not good. But how many of you know sometimes the Holy Spirit knows where you need to be better than you know where you need to be? You think, I don't want to be at Sand Hill. I want to be somewhere else. But the Holy Spirit keeps drawing you here, and you obey the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden you figure out the Holy Spirit knew what you did not know. Does anybody follow me? So the Holy Spirit places you where He wants you, and I will argue this very dogmatically to everyone, every Christian that there is in this church and anywhere else. This does not say He places some of the members. This says He places the members what is that saying? If you're a Christian, God's placed you somewhere. It may not be Sand Hill. God may not want you here. I'm, this isn't, a, this isn't a, a ploy to draw people here. This is just saying God places people in the body where God wants them. Okay? So <clears throat> we understand that here is where it gets difficult. Ordinances. I've always heard that. I remember since a little child hearing the word ordinances. We have the ordinances of the church. I never thought, I thought, what do they mean by ordinances? I mean, thou shalt not kill is a command, but, but be baptized is an ordinance. And I always thought, what is, why is there one's a command and one's, and I never did understand that. Um, so let's see if we can understand any of what this says. And let, let me just give you a thought. And if you don't like it, go home and study it out. How many of you know that in Baptist churches, we don't practice this here right now. Maybe we should, but we don't practice this here right now. But how many of you know that in Baptist churches, traditionally, when you get baptized, you become a member of the church? I mean, you don't have a business meeting and everything else. When you get baptized, that makes you a member of that church. Okay? I kind of think that's biblical. So hear, hear, hear me out on this here. Someone comes and gets saved. We've done a whole lot of talking about how they need to be uh, talked to, and it's not just prayer, prayer, and feel something, but it actually needs to, did you understand what you did, and are you accounting the cost, and are you prepared to be a disciple, and all those things. But we understand, and we believe by the leadership of church, that you are genuinely saved. Can I just say this? We allow you 
to be baptized. Now, there's another thing. It's not. Here's another thing. It's not New Testament. You know, it's not in the New Testament. I got saved. Three years later, I got baptized. That's not in there, people. It's it's immediate. The Ethiopian told Philip, riding in the chariot, "What doth hinder me to be baptized?" The moment he got saved, he wanted to get baptized. So, what if baptism is the church saying, "We believe you are a Christian." In other words, the leadership of the church, it, by, by you, we can be fooled, but by all that we can understand, you are a Christian. And we will allow you to be baptized, putting our, if you will, our approval, the fact that you are, are a Christian. Because when you are baptized, that is saying you're laying down the old man, you're raising up the new man, and that is saying you are a Christian. Now the church uh, will, will verify that. And now you are a member of the church. Okay? Now, this is something we don't practice at Sand Hill. It, will, it is to be determined if we will practice this in the future. But this just makes sense to me. Now, let's cover this before we do it. So you come and get saved, and we allow you to be baptized in your private church. What if you're already saved and you come from another church? Well, then we would sit down and we would talk to you, and we would understand that you actually were saved. We'd, we'd get your conversion story. We'd get your testimony. We'd make sure you understand what it is to be a Christian. And at that point, uh, I don't believe we have to rebaptize people. And I know there are churches that believe that. But at that point, we, we as a church would say, we approve, we say that you are a Christian. And because you are, a part, listen, I don't believe in people being a part of the church, being members of the church who are not born again. I don't believe in that. But as a church, we are putting our approval that from all we understand, you are a Christian. You may join our church. You may be a member of our church. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how this next part would work out. Um, I know a lot of churches practice it. I, Brother Bo, I never understood why churches practice this. I, we've always criticized churches for practicing this. And I'm not saying we will or we won't change this. Maybe the leadership will make a decision. But just see if this makes any sense. You came into the church, and as a church, we said, we believe you are a Christian. We're going to have the Lord's Supper for those that are really Christians. Those who the church says are really Christians. If you are a member and a church approves you, you have the privilege of taking communion. If you're not, you don't. Does anybody see where that is an ongoing approval from a local body of believers? Now, last week we talked about the, the, the leadership, the lead pastor, the, the pastors under him, the deacons, all of those just being um, um, part of the body with a position with high character who want to do what the Word of God says. So those men with high character who want to do what the Bible says look at you and they say, from all we understand, you are a Christian. Now, when you are part of the church and you then act like you're not a Christian, you're no longer a member. Is anybody following me here? See, we take you in and we say, we approve you as a Christian. As you prove that you are not a Christian, you are no longer a member of the church. 
I think that makes perfect sense. Now, I'll, let me just clarify this real quick. I, I'm gonna, I, I, we'll, we'll have more on this in the future, but let me just clarify this so some of you don't run ahead of me. We talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. I am talking about you come to this church, you hear the word of God preached, you rebel against it, you will not listen to anything that is said, you intentionally, knowingly, on purpose, go out and intentionally, spitefully do sin against the Lord by the authority of God's word, that is not a Christian. But if we call you a Christian and you lose your temper, you just need to do better. If we call you a Christian and, and you're not faithful, if we call you a Christian and you don't tithe, if we call you a Christian, all of those things that we can criticize you for, you need to do better. We will preach to you we need to do better. But if I have to take everybody's name off here, whoever does anything that the Bible says they shouldn't do, we will have zero members in this church. Are you with me? Because there are no perfect Christians. But as we preach what thus saith the word of God, if you are a Christian, you ought to be moving down that road to becoming more and more like Jesus. That is sanctification. And so as the leadership of the church, we say, well, from their testimony, we believe they're saved. Going to do a lot of things wrong. If someone comes into this church that's not been raised in church, they're going to do a lot of things that maybe you wouldn't do. Can I tell you, I believe Jesus is okay with that. Because they need to hear the word of God and they need to grow to get where God wants them to be. So this isn't the day you become a member, you will be perfect and you'll do this and this and this and this and this and this. This is you, we say you, by your testimony you're a Christian and we're going to watch you. If you're progressively moving closer to Jesus, we're just going to keep loving you. But if you're progressively working away from Jesus and rebelling against everything that God wants us to do and you're rebellious against the church, then we're going to have to say your fruits do not evidence that you are a Christian. That's why I say it'd be hard, it'd be real good for me if it just, after this is over, every one of you catch me at the back door and say, Pastor, we are not doing that. That is terrible. You guys rebel against God, and I don't have to do this. Okay? Because if we do this, it's not going to be easy. But here's what I want you to see. There is something to being a member of a church. 1 Corinthians 5, this is where I thought we were going. 1 Corinthians 5, 5. What does this mean? You say, Pastor, I don't believe in being a member. I don't believe it matters. I don't think it's that serious of a deal. If you are a member, it doesn't really matter. Yada, 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 yada. So how many of you know the Corinthian church had some problems? Any Bible readers know that? They had a few problems in that church, okay? Um, they were not lining up with the Word of God. Funny thing is, Josh said this. I thought this was so profound. Josh said this in private to me. Uh, you Bible believers, believers will understand this, those of you that don't need to go home and study. But there is a sometimes a fine line between Matthew chapter 7 and, and 1 Corinthians. Because 1 Corinthians, they were Christians. They were actually going to heaven living like the devil, but they were Christians who needed to be corrected. In Matthew chapter 7, they were good, godly people doing everything right. And Jesus said, you've, you've cast out demons in my name. Done things. I know you not. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Did you guys follow that? Did, did, did you see that? So, so, so we need to understand uh, what the Bible says. So, so 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 5, this man has been caught uh, sleeping with his uh, father's wife, and Paul has made a judgment against him. So what does this verse mean? To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved 
in the day of the Lord. What in the world? Right, Juliet? What in the world? <laughs> what in the world is Paul doing here? Someone's inside the church, not making mistakes, not oopsing, not letting the flesh have its way. Someone is inside the church, deliberately, intentionally, knowingly doing what is wrong. And Paul says, take their names off the book. When you do that, the protection, the approval, the, the, the umbrella of the church is no longer on them. They're on the outside, and the devil now can do whatever he wants to make them miserable. Hopefully, that will be enough to make them come back to the church and submit themselves to the Word of God and living what's right, so in the day of the Lord they will be saved. Does anybody see that? Take them out of the church. Because in the church is where the approval is. In the church is where the safety is. In the church is where things are bound and where things are set free. Take them out of that. Put them outside where they are vulnerable. And the devil can do what he wants to with them. And if he tortures them enough, hopefully they will humble themselves down and come back to Jesus. Now, that's a serious verse. But you have a real hard time taking that verse and saying... So, so if church membership doesn't matter, then this, this verse makes absolutely no sense. If people weren't members of churches, then what was Paul saying? Paul was saying, don't let this man be a member of your church because he is sinning. Take him out of the church that the devil can destroy him. Now, Matthew chapter 18, we talked about this also Wednesday night. Let's look at it quickly. Interesting what it says. Matthew chapter 18 is the verse where it says, if you have an audit against your brother, go to him and him alone. If he won't hear you, take two or three with you. We all know that verse, that scripture. But in 17 and 18, some interesting things are said. So, so now if brother have an audit against you, go to him and him alone. You know, um, uh, me and brother Tom's having a fight. So I go to Tom and tell him, you know, oh, brother, we got a problem. We got to straighten this out, you know, and, and we can't get it straightened out. And then we bring two or three people in and we can't bring that. Then we have to bring you before the church. That's where we pick up this, this text at. So in verse number 17, it says, and if he, so you're bringing them before the church. They couldn't get it resolved on their own. If he neglect to hear uh, them, tell it to the church. Tell it to the ones who have given their approval that this man is a Christian. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Interesting, the next verse. Jesus' words. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Sound familiar? Now, just work with me here. There's people in the church that are having an issue. They can't resolve it among themselves. They take two or three. They can't resolve it. The person comes before the church. The leadership of the church, the congregation says, what you are doing is wrong. You need to change your ways. And this person says, I will not repent. I will not change our way. I will not apologize to him. I will not do it. And the church says, you're no longer approved as a Christian. You're no longer approved as a Christian. This church no longer puts their approval upon you. And this person is, like the person in Corinthians, is let out to live as a sinner. Isn't it interesting that it starts out in verse 15 saying, if a brother, 
So I thought he was my brother. I went to him as a brother, as another Christian. But by the time we get to verse 18, it says, treat them as a, as a heathen. Treat them as a sinner. Now, I don't believe this is losing your salvation. I believe this is finding out who you really are. When you go through this process and you won't humble yourself and you won't submit to the church, you're just evidencing who you really are. And we're not going to play games and pretend like you're a Christian. We're going to put you out there where it'll be evidence, hey, we don't consider you a Christian until you repent. So, in Jesus' words in, in Matthew 16 are the same as they are here in 18. I think there's a reason we need to pay attention to that. The local church approval. I believe that is critically important. Moving right along, commitment to membership. When you commit to membership, this is really what you're saying. Back to Corinthians 12, chapter 12. This is where God placed me. This is where God wants me. God has placed me here. This is what God wants me to be. Now, this is a little bit of Garyology, okay? You can, you can throw it away. I can't dogmatically prove this. It's just a little bit of Garyology, but it, it just, just work with me here. Makes, makes a little sense to me. Judgment seat of Christ. How many of you know that's a real thing? Judgment seat of Christ, real thing. How many of you know what that's for? That is not for sinners. Sinners do not go to the judgment seat of Christ. That is for Christians. If you have accepted Jesus Christ your Savior and your sins are under the blood, you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. That is not to determine if you go to heaven or hell. That is to give an account of the things you have done. Okay? The beam of seat is for sinners. Once you're there, you're going to hell. Don't matter what, they're going to judge yours, but you're going to hell when you're in that line, okay? So we're in the line, we're going to heaven. We stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is a little Garyology, okay? You can do what you want to with it, okay? Uh, but, but this is just a little, this little common sense. I stand before, and I, by the way, I don't think it's going to be this way, but just work with me, okay? I stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I am Brother Terry. I stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I pull out my I'm a member of the church card and hand it to Christ. And not only do I stand there now, but I have an entire congregation with a pastor and leadership and good Christian people who say, I'm living the Christian life. Or I stand there by myself in front of Christ and say, I didn't let anybody help me. I didn't let anybody show me the way. I didn't submit to anybody, but I figured it out on my own. Lord, can I come in? Do we see the difference? And that's Christianity today for people. And I don't think this applies to any of you because I think all of you guys that are not members here are, are like I said, you guys, you guys are the backbone of this church. You guys are, you, you guys are crazy. But I'm just trying to show you, there's no lone ranger in the Bible. There's no doing it on your own. There's no me and Jesus got it figured out. There is being a part of the local church. Let's say this here. This may not be the place for you, but there is a place for you. And you need to find that place, and you need to become a part of that place, and you need to sub submit to the leadership of that place so that someone else can watch for your soul. How many of you know? I have preached this a thousand times. How many of you know you can't see your own sin? You can't. You're completely blind to it. You're just completely oblivious to it. You cannot see it. And that's where lone rangers go astray. They say, well, I can read my Bible at home, and I can watch TV at home, and I can do this, and I can do that, and I don't need the local church, and I don't need a pastor, and I don't need to submit. Problem is, you are blind to your own sins. In the church, when you submit, the church can help you to see where you are wrong, and you can change. And we have the accountability in the... And here in a church like this, listen, we're so close, we see all of each other's faults, right? They're, they're playing and out in sight. But we're close enough, we can work on those things and correct those things 
and maybe even be a little ashamed of those things. Anybody here, just real quickly, anybody here ever done anything here that you were really embarrassed that you did? That, oh my gosh, my brothers and sisters just see me and right in front of everybody. All right, anybody? Here, I'll raise my hand. I'll raise my hand, okay? Oh my gosh, I'm never going back. I just, I just look like a total heathen in front of everybody. But see, if I'm a member of the church, you guys know I was wrong. You guys know I shouldn't have acted that way. You guys do not give me your approval. But you guys keep on loving me and say, that needs to not happen again. We went to camp, and we got on the edge of sinning. Maybe stepped a few toes over it, right? But you know what I saw this year for the first time? And I praise God for it. I, I, I was so excited when I come back. You know what I've seen for the first time? And this I've been preaching this for a long time. But you know what I've finally seen when I come back from camp? Embarrassment. Hadn't seen that in 15 years. Listen, I don't care if you go to camp and act like a heathen. Just come back here and feel horrible when you do it. Come back here and feel horrible. Put your head down, be ashamed, and say, I am so embarrassed how I act. But when you go to camp and act like a heathen, come back here and say, yeah, I'm a good Christian. Look at me. That is not acceptable. We will not accept that here. But when you mess up, there are brothers and sisters who say, let's get back where we're supposed to be. Let's get back on track. When you're out there all by yourself, you're doing that, you don't have a clue you're wrong. You know what people think when they're out there? They think everybody in here is wrong. And they're just talking about and putting down the people that are in here. And they're just thinking how good they are. And so that doesn't work. It's not biblical. It does not line up with text. I preached last week. Not everybody was here. But I talk, preached last week about the leadership of the church. And the Bible talks about the shepherd and the flock. And in plain English, anyone can understand it. The kids can understand it. The flock follows the shepherd. And Paul said, I, uh, uh, follow me as I have followed Christ. We mentioned last week that's in the Bible over and over and over and over again. And so being a committed to membership, you not only do you say this is where God has placed me, not only do you say I want to be able to stand before the judgment seat of Christ having the approval of the church, but also you're really saying I want to be part of the flock. And I said this last week, but let me say it very straightforwardly. If you want to be offended by it, if you want to prove me wrong on the Bible, um, you need to go home and study this out. But I'm going to just say this here. Very, very plainly, every person that I'm looking at, every single person here, you need a pastor. May not be this one, but you need a pastor. Go find another one if you don't like this one, but you need a pastor. Because there's not one person here who can do this without someone helping them along the way. We need leadership we need pastors so statistically will you guys will you guys agree with me on this i've been in church a long time a lot of you've been in church a long time statistically if you are in a bible preaching church with a godly man who has character as your pastor and you are a member of that church and you are submitted to that church What are, your, what are the percentages that you will continue to live the Christian life and stand before the Lord the way you want to? If you are not a part of a church and you're not under a pastor and you're uh, on your own doing it your way, what's the statistics? See, I, I, said, I think I said this last week, but I've been here long enough at Sand Hill Church 
So, Georgia, we could probably fill this church up three times with all the people who have left. But you know the people who left? They were coming here every Sunday, but I was not their pastor. They, would, they didn't agree with anything I said. They didn't like what I did. They were against me on everything else, and they're no longer here. And a whole lot of them aren't even going to church anymore. They, they just have nothing to do with God. See, what I'm saying is, Lone Ranger doesn't work. Listen, pastors are not perfect. Pastors make mistakes. Pastors do things they shouldn't. Pastors do stupid things. You guys have all seen me do that. But if you have a loving pastor, he's doing his best to try to watch over your soul to get you to heaven. And those who don't submit to that don't do well. Listen, I've been in this thing for a long, long time. I've seen Christians, uh, um, I, I have, I'll put it this way. I have never seen someone who, who totally disregarded the local church. You guys know what I'm talking about. There are those Christians who, every time you see them, they're just so holy and they spend all their day with God. They never go to church. They never have anything to do with the local church. They don't need to cast or they don't need a church. They don't need preaching. It's just me and Jesus. I've never seen one of those guys that did anything good. Am I wrong? I've never seen one of those who was just a super Christian all on their own, going completely against the Bible, but they had it all figured out. I have met a lot of those who thought they had it all figured out. <laughs> they thought they knew more than me and everybody else. But listen, this isn't Gary's plan. This is Jesus' plan. On this rock, on the gospel, I'll build my church. The devil will not be able to overcome it. And whatever this church binds, whatever this church looses, will be bound and loosed in heaven. There is a protection from being in the realm of the church. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.